I'm going to take a quick uh, scripture, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to build my nest there, but I'd like to use it as a um, as a launching point for what I want to convey this morning, and that is in Luke chapter 14 and verse 28. Luke 14. And verse 28, very short piece of scripture, says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? And, you know, I was thinking about that verse, and I'm thinking, you know, Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit sat down before they made man? Do you know that they thoroughly counted the cost. It wasn't like, oops, oh, Jesus, hurry up. you gotta die. You got to die because, because Adam did something and, and that God's on a learning curve. The Bible said, let us make man in our image. Would not Christ follow the rules that he sets for us? And so we know that they had a meeting. We know that they knew every shortfall that would come. But you've got to understand, nowhere in eternity do we see where God had made humans before Adam and Eve. The devil was never a human. He was an angelic being. But he said, let us make humans in our image. You're going to be human for eternity but with a new body. The Bible says that Jesus will bear the marks in his body forever. In fact, the Bible says that when he comes back uh, to to rule on this earth, that the Jewish people are going to see his wounds. And he's going to have a human body. And they're going to say, here's the one that we... That, that we rejected and crucified, and he surely is the Lord of Lords. It's a privilege to be a human today. It's a privilege to be a human today. You're no accident. There are no accidents. Amen. And the thing that we need to understand, and I said a word, yes, we, we had a great interview on, on the radio, and, 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 uh, the lady down in um, down in Sanford that that runs a a mission for mothers who are contemplating an abortion, and she said, you know, one of the things we never do is mention that word, because our whole mission is about compassion. How many know? And I'm going to get into that just a little bit. Sometimes, you know, what we as Christians seem to go right to the negative. Rather than to say, Lord, how can I have compassion? How can I see through this person's dilemma? How can I love this person that may, their decisions may repulse me? But rather than to focus on the negative, and a lot of times as Christians, we are quick to go to the negative. Someone's this morning, I get a chance to talk with a young man, and he says, Pastor, I've got a question for you. He said, is, is a homosexual going to go to hell? 
And I said, I think you're, you're, you're looking at it from the wrong angle. You know, there are some problems you can look at from a wrong angle and never be able to solve the problem. And, and we have to understand, and I shared with him that I had a friend, my wife and I had a friend, and he was a magnificent person. He loved, and he has so many things, but he had a, he had a hang-up inside of him. A tendency for homosexuality. And he would go to church for two or three years and he would terribly fall back. But I know him and I know that he does love God and I know that he struggles with with that thing. And, and, And I believe that God is able to finish what he's begun in that man's life. I have to believe because he said, I'm I'm the author and the finisher. And people struggle. And when we begin to say, well, you're going to hell. How, with a negative, are we helping them? In a, I'll tell you who needs to hear about hell. The church. The religious. Jesus spoke more on hell than heaven. But who was he speaking to every time he talked about hell? Was the Pharisees and the Sadducees and those pious people who had their head in the clown and thought they were better than others. They need to hear about hell. But a person that is struggling needs to realize that God loves them in the midst of their struggle. And the Bible said, Which of you intended to build a house or a tower sitteth not down, first encounteth the cost whether he have sufficient to finish it. How many know Jesus said it's finished? Do you know those words are weighty? And when you look at this scripture and you put it in context of God's plan for humanity, remember humans, that's who you are. No angel will ever be human and no human will ever be an, an angel. I know we hear people say, oh, she's, you know, uh, another angel's in heaven. Well, you'll never be an angel. You'll always be a human, but in a glorified human body. Isn't that wonderful? The angels look at us with mystery. This is a creature that God had created. We don't see any evidence ever in history of them being humans. And Satan hates humans. He hates them because he sees their destiny. He sees the love of God toward them. And he takes men and he tries to convince them that they're female so he can laugh and mock when these people need to be loved and told that they are magnificently made in the image of God. The Word of God gives us a list of things that we should look at. And the first, of course, is what are you seeking? And, 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 and we know that, and I've shared with us several weeks ago, about seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So many Christians have so many frets about things they have no control over. I don't know what the stock market's going to do, quite frankly. I heard recently that uh, an individual that had lots of money gambled on Bitcoin or some other thing and lost everything. Amen. Imagine if we had put that into the kingdom of God. The Bible said the dividends of the kingdom of God are great. 
Wow. But in Matthew 6, 33, it says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. Pastor, where am I going to live? Seek the kingdom. Pastor, how am I going to get through this dilemma? Seek the kingdom. Remember, you're a child of God. Oh, there'll be times when you're going to feel like God, uh, he, he left you. You know, Lord, how come you're late? Well, he's never late. I promise you that. And he always has an avenue. And he, he may not tell you up front. Because that's what walking in faith is. Walking in faith is a, uh, faith is a substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things that I don't now see. But I promise you, God has a remedy for everything if we keep our priorities right with him. In Matthew 23 and, and 20 says, Thou blind Pharisees, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Why? Because they were about in a negativity. I've seen Christians get into the negative and looking down at people that are on food stamps, looking down at people that are here. You know what we need to say? Thank you, Lord, but by your grace. By your grace. Gideon said, hey, you know what? He said, my family's poor, and I'm poorer than the rest of the family. But by God's grace... Thank you, Lord God, for two legs. Oh, they, they, they hurt me. As I get older, they hurt more. But you know, I've still got legs. And there may be someone that doesn't have legs, but they say, thank you for the hands. Or thank you, uh, you know, just for the opportunity of even living. We can be joyful rather than to be complainers. I've seen old people get real cranky when they get old. Sometimes you get in line at the shop and they're and it's reason is because their body's hurting. There's no doubt. You know, I'm beginning to realize that sometimes I got pains. I don't even know why I've got a pain. Oh, well, well, what did you do? I didn't do anything. That's the thing. <laughs> but I got a pain. And, 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 and some people can get real cranky and crabby. Uh, but you know what? I'd rather have a joy like, like uh, Joanne. A joy. Right attitude. But you see, these Pharisees and these Sadducees, they were, they were so pious. They judged people. You don't come into this church to be judged. I'm not here to judge anybody. but the Bible said, He that judges, let him uh, take heed unless he be judged. Now, we do realize the Bible said the righteous judge all things. What's that mean? The righteous judges what he partakes of. Okay? The righteous, you know, I may look at that. Now, if it said uh, 98 proof, I might say, man, maybe it wouldn't be good to have. See, that's, that's judgment. We judge every day. But to judge somebody to hell, the Bible said to call your brother a fool is, is, is to put yourself in danger. 
Jesus, I love what the Bible said. When the father says this, he said, the father said, I sent my son not into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might have hope, have life. And these Pharisees were definitely not sharing hope. They had a lot of pride and Jesus had a lot of trouble with them. We look at our resources, and in Luke 14 and 28, it says this, that for which of you intending to build a tower, and we just read that earlier, does not sit down and think about it? Well, we know the Father sat down and he thought about it, and he thought about you, because God knows all things. He knows all things. He knows everything in you, even if it's 30 years of serving the Lord and something, something nasty comes to the surface. God already knew that, but yet he loved you. He loved Judas. He knew what was in Judas' heart. But you know what he said when he was betrayed by Judas? He said, friend. Friend. The guy's a traitor. Jesus never changed his opinion or his love for Judas. Never. And he never does for you or I either. The thoughts that he has for us are only good thoughts. He's saying you, he's the greatest cheerleader in your life. You can get through this thing. You know, Pat, I think of the things you've gone through. I knew when I had to move, it was like I was depressed. I was so depressed because we had squirreled stuff away in places that you wouldn't believe. You know, we, we just think, you know, when you go, when you don't have anything and you finally get something, you end up with 33 pair of shoes instead of two. I can remember when I was young and I was my first pastorate, I was wearing a pair of loafers. It was the only dress pants uh, shoes that I had. And they were so worn out that one of them, I put a piece of cardboard in the bottom because it, the, the sock was thrown to the bottom of the shoe. This is true. And I would come to the altar and pray when I could get on my knees well. And, and, and I would cross my feet to cover the big hole in the bottom of my shoe. I know what it is to be without, and, 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 and I understand the attachment that we have. And I tell you what I had to do. I, I, I had to, my wife and I, we had all that stuff in the garage. We took out the big stuff, like a generator or things of that sort. But then you know what we did? We blinded our eyes, and a guy gave us 300 boxes to take it. Take it. I trust you, Lord. Life is a journey. It's a journey for each of us. And there's going to be great disappointments in our lives. And there's going to be great joy as well. But in all of that, I trust him. And not only did we move once, which I was so depressed to do and didn't think I could do it, but we ended up moving three times. <laughs> Within a few months, you talk about tired. But you know what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me.
I trust you, Lord. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. I think of affections. In Matthew 22, 37 and 38, it says, Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt uh, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all of thy mind. How many struggled with that? I struggled with it terribly. There are times I've said, Lord, I love you. And then I, 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 I bite my tongue and say, you know what? I know that there are things in my life and all that, but I just have to say I love you, Lord. Lord, help me to love you more because I am a human. You know, I think of that little di that dinosaur movie with the little baby dinosaurs. you got to love me. Uh, you know, but it's not, it, it, you know what I'm saying. Uh, and he was a mean little baby. <laughs> got to love me. I'm a baby. But putting that aside, what we have to understand and realize is that, is that, Lord, help me to love you adequately. I wasn't born, I wasn't born to understand agape love. Because that's only, that kind of love only comes from God. See, we're born into a love that we feel we have to earn. If I'm a good student, I get good grades. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. And I don't, I hate it when everybody gets an A now. Because they don't want to hurt somebody's, somebody's psyche. Well, you know what? I should be graded by my performance. But let's go back a little bit here and understand that the agape love is not an earned love. It's not you. You do me good, I do you good. You pad my hand, I pad your hand. I'll tell Uncle Leo about you. He'll get you a good car. You've been good to me. That's not, that's not agape love. Agape love loves unconditionally. I don't understand that. I have to ask God for it. And I say, Lord, help me to love you adequately. Help me to do it. Because I'm going to tell you what. There's another part of this. The next verse says this. It says, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. <laughs> you don't know my neighbor, pal. <laughs> you, you ever watch Judge Judy? And these people just quabble and they quibble over $200. They fight and they, and they do things. You know what I say? Life's too short. I've had people rip me off for $10,000. You know what I say? Passus and brosis. I'm going on with the Lord. I'm not going to allow my life to be, to, to be captive by the actions of another. Because I know this one thing. My God has also made a dollar spend like $10,000. And I know that whatever is taken from me, God will restore it. Because that's his promise. We spend all that time quabbling about things that are really meaningless. Well, you know that neighbor stole my snowblower, and I know it's mine. He goes out there so brazen, and he uses it. And I go over and tell him it's mine. No, I got this one on Craigslist. Well, if it was yours, somebody sold it to me illegally, so too bad. I hope you enjoy that snowblower. <laughs> God will bless me with a better one. 
We just got to let go of that stuff because it will eat you up. And that's how we love our neighbors ourselves is we don't hold to them what some may think they deserve. Because that will follow judging others. In John 8, 7, it says, So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. My whole agenda is not to go out and throw stones at people that are not doing right, but with compassion to help people who would ask for it. One thing I... I heard from that lady yesterday that we interviewed is, is she really didn't even like the abortion uh, uh, lingo. You know, she, she liked compassion, compassion, compassion. And, and we asked her, what, so what, uh, how do you find these women? She said, we've been in Sanford for 30 years. People know us. And when a woman gets pregnant and is in any kind of thought or anything, they always say, oh, you got to go over and see them. Word of mouth, she said, we get about 10 a week. 10 women a week. That's a lot. And we get these women because the community trusts us, because we've built a relationship and a reputation within the community. Isn't that what the church should do? And, and they come and she said, we don't, we, don't, we don't look at abortion. We just look at their body. We ask them, what is your body telling you? Listen to yourself. Would you like us to perform a sonogram? And they have to have a registered nurse come in to do that, even though they have the machine. And they will do that. They said nine times out of ten, once they see that baby, they know the lie that they were fed that it was a blob. That it isn't. And then they help them in whatever way they can. What is your need? You know, the Bible says don't give them God's blessing and walk off without helping them in their need. I asked the woman, so what about housing? What, what do you do? And she said, I'll tell you, we need housing desperately because we have about 10 women a year that have no, no house because they've been rejected by family kicked out of a relationship. Maybe it's the boyfriend's parents that say, you need to have an abortion. I don't want my son paying child support for 30 years or, or 20 years or whatever that was. And all the pressure that's on this woman. And we want to throw a stone at her because she considers an abortion? Or should we have compassion? Because of the decision that they make. And I'll tell you what, it's always a decision out of fear. And perfect love casts without fear. And who should be the agents of love is us. Because Satan is a liar and there is no truth in him. And not only does he convince someone to have an abortion, then he torments them afterward. Because that's the way he is. He's double, he's two-sided. He acts as your friend, then he'll become your enemy because he hates you because you're human. He hated Adam and Eve right from the get-go and did everything he could to destroy their relationship with the Father. And the first substitutionary 
sacrifice was made in the Garden of Eden because it said that if you eat of this tree, you should surely die. I want you to know something. Something did die, and it was an animal because he covered him in that animal's robe. Happened right there. I could get into that, but I'm not going to this morning about the fact that Jesus covered me with a robe of righteousness. And he loves me. And he loves you. It's easy to be judgmental. It's easy to look at another's fault and feeling that it makes you more religious. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast the mote out of thy brother's eye. We need to meet everybody with compassion because that's what God brought to this earth, compassion. I love you. I want you to make it. I want you to go forward. People, many times when they come to the altar, the first thing they begin to think about, well, what about my drinking? What about this? What about that? What, what about all of that? I'll tell you right now, if you begin to think about those things, you'll never, you'll, you'll never do it. But look at the Philippian jailer. He'd come to the place in his life where he was going to die because prisoners would escape. And according to Roman rule, he had a good job. But if he lost a prisoner, he had to serve the sentence of that prisoner. And he had people within that prison that were going to be executed. And he knew that he was going to die. And Paul says, no, he said, don't harm yourself for none have gone. We're all here. And the man cried out to him, and he says, What must I do to be saved? And he didn't say, Quit drinking and smoking. <laughs> quit, quit, quit doing this. And hey, that lying that you do, you quit that. He didn't say that. He said, Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you believe? You know, I think, and, and I wrote that down here, about one of the things that, uh, that we've all only believed. That was um, Billy Graham and his conventions. Only believe, only believe. Why did he have that song sung uh, during his, his thing? Because he wanted to get people's mind on Jesus, not on their weakness. Only believe. Come to Jesus and only believe that God can fix and he can help you through the minefields of life. We just need to let that go and say, Lord, I believe. He said, if you believe in the Lord, he said, you and your household will be saved. Isn't that Wonderful. Hallelujah, Jesus. I think about how we think. 2 Corinthians 8 and 12 said, For if there be 
first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that man, what the man hath, and not according to what he hath not. When I come to Jesus, I don't come figuring out all my problems. In fact, I have no way of understanding how I'll ever overcome all my problems. And the thing that we need to understand, and I want to I read that one more time. He said in 2 Corinthians 8 and 12, he said, For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not what he doesn't have. We talked about the widow with the might. And when she brought her coin, it was wooden and very light and made no noise when it hit that offering plate. And Jesus said she gave more than y'all. See, Jesus isn't looking uh, uh, for a million dollars. He's looking for you to say, Lord, here am I. This is what I have. It isn't much. A shriveled up old alcoholic body, maybe. Maybe, uh, you know, with, with nothing but problems uh, in it. And Jesus said, that's what I want. I want you. He says, cast all your sins and the burdens that so easily weigh you down. Cast them upon me. If you have alcoholism issues, you cast them upon the Lord. If you have a sexual addiction, you cast them upon the Lord. You say, Lord, I know you love me. I know you called me. I've given you what I have. I don't have the solution. I think of the man we talked about who dealt with homosexuality and, and he struggled and, and I pray today that I don't know I haven't seen him in a while that he has overcome that I pray that the Lord in him has finally brought him to a place where he's overcome that but you know what we're to be is patient patient with patience possess ye your soul I think of prayer. In 1 Timothy 2 and 1, it says, Exhort, therefore, that first of all supplication, prayer, intercession, uh, and giving of thanks may be made for all men. We should be a thankful people. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord. For making me whole, thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation, so rich and so free. Lord, thank you. Thank you. We're going to end with a verse that I think is pertinent to an ending. In Revelation 20 and 6, King James Version says, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Isn't that wonderful? 
You say, well, what about Joanne? Now, she, she, she's died. What about her? The Bible says that they shall go first. He said, at the resurrection, that the dead in Christ, that the graves will be opened and they'll be taken, and then we with them. So you know what? She's going in the resurrection. But each and every one of us knows this. If we love God and we allow him to do the work that only he can do in our lives, and how does he do that? By staying humble. By willing to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, even when it's hurtful. To allow him to lead you in a journey that you may not take otherwise. But you walk it by faith. By saying to the Lord, this is the day the Lord hath made, I will rejoice and be glad in it. I've made up my mind. I will serve the Lord as he gives me the strength and he gives me the ability. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Anybody have been there? Lord, of course I believe. Of course I believe that you'll do it. Right? <laughs> wow, Lord, you've got to be a miracle worker to do this one. But I trust you. I trust you to get me over that hill. I trust you, Lord God, to lead us into greener pastures. I trust you, Lord God, that you said even if one goes astray, you'll leave the 99 and go for the one that is astray. So, Lord, even when I wander... I'm in the center of your eye. So I think the encouragement to the church today, Lord, help me to love you with all of my heart and all my strength and all of my mind. And help me, Lord, to love my neighbors myself. Help me, Lord, not to become critical but to, but to become hopeful. And whenever you're around hopeful pe people, it will give you a reprieve. We need to be a hopeful people. And not a critical people. And to say, Lord, I believe. Remember this. This country is going through some very difficult times. But don't you know that God sat down with Jesus, with the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and they, they looked at the cost? Do you trust him today? I trust him for my nation. I trust him for my neighbor. I trust him for myself. And he's the only answer, and he's the only remedy. And how he's going to work it out might be bigger than I can think. And I can say, God, you've got a lot of problems. <laughs> this world is full of problems. We've got wars, and we've got rumors of wars, and we've got earthquakes, and we've got deserts that are drying up that we've that at one time were oases. We've got this and that and the other. And we say, but thank you, Lord, that you're my father, and they're your problems. And that you're able to do what I can't do. But Lord, always let my ears be open to hear 
what the Spirit is speaking. For Lord, I'm not like you. I'm not omnipresent. I'm not all-powerful. I'm not omniscient. I'm not everywhere. It's just little old me, Bob, Lord. Lord, you know where I came from. You know who I am. You know my weaknesses. You know my strengths, Lord. You know my capacity, and you know what, what, what I'm not able to do. But, Father, here I am. That's what we have. And the Bible said, unless God builds the house, it's built in vain. And how many times have we corrected God? Said, no, no, Lord, that board shouldn't go there. Lord, you've got it all wrong. And God says, get behind me, Satan. For you seek the things of this world and the things of the flesh more than the things that I have. And we need to trust him. Would you all stand with me, please? Thank you, Lord. So here we are. Lord, how are you going to fix all the problems? Here I am, Lord. You're the fixer. You're the hope. You're the compassion. You're the one that loves your people. Help me to be like you, Lord. And not to one of the Pharisees or Sadducees. Help me to be a Paul and not a Saul. Help me to spread hope and not division. Help me, Lord God, that when people are in my presence, they feel Jesus and his love that he had for sinners, prostitutes, murderers, thieves, Help me, Lord God, to have that kind of compassion in Jesus' name. Let's all bow our head. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the congregation and for all the wonderful people that are here this morning. And Lord, thank you that you love us. Thank you, Lord, that you added us to this human race, that you contemplated completely you and, 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 and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And you said, make them in our image. And Lord, you saw the end from the beginning. And as John the Revelator said, I saw the new, a, a, a city coming out of the sky. And as I looked at it, it looked like the bride adorned in white. Coming down with Jesus. And Lord, that city will hover over Jerusalem. And the Bible says, for a thousand years we'll reign with you on this earth and you will sit on the throne of David forever. And we ever shall be with you for eternity. Thank you, Lord, for that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.
and amen. God bless every one of you.